Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Can I just say why I'm so excited about this podcast? Like, why? I have loved talking with you guys just around the office on a lot of different topics, and I thought, hey, this would be great to record, and I love your perspective, Annie, how you look at the people out the, out in the world and, and say, man, I wish they would just know, see beyond uh, maybe a caricature of Christianity or whatever it is or w- what they're going through, and and then Matt, like some of the things that you've brought up and some things that are pretty challenging have really challenged me and made me think more. So I'm really glad we get a chance to have some fun and laugh a little bit and talk about some things that we talk about anyways. So cool. All right. That's good. So I guess I'll start. Um, so what's on my mind today? Um, so the other day, uh, so Kanye West has been holding these Sunday services. Um, they've been criticized for maybe being a little too showy and maybe too about Kanye West, who, by the way, has legally changed his name to Ye, Y-E. So nice. I will heretofore refer to him as Ye. Do, do you know why? Um, he said something about it being the most used word in the Bible. So Yahweh is, Yah is, is like, it's a way to translate the Lord. But yeah, so that's that's. So maybe there's a little bit of a complex there. I don't know. He Hallelujah he, means like praise the Lord. So Yah is the or yay or whatever. Yeah. He did give an answer, and it was something to the effect of, "It's all encompassing." Hmm. I'm not really sure. He, there was a reason for it, but the artist formerly known as Kanye, Kanye West. West. Yeah, <laughs> yay. Um. So anyway, yay's been holding these services. So the last service on. On Halloween, it happened to be a Sunday. Um, Marilyn Manson, wow. Justin Bieber, cool. and Roddy Rich were there. Um, Roddy Rich is a pop rap guy. Okay. 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 <laughs> and I'm sure you <laughs> know, know Biebs, yeah. and I'm sure you know Marilyn yeah. Manson. Yeah. Um, and Justin Bieber was saying a prayer, and, and Marilyn Manson was nodding his head along, you know, seeming to be in agreement with what was being said. And... I don't know. I think the internet is kind of torn on this because again, they're not totally sure of Ye's motives in doing this. Is this a publicity stunt to have these people here? Um, Is it genuine? I mean, I hope it is. Marilyn Manson, um, you know, you and I were talking, Ben, like he was kind of a scary, you know, when we were (laughs) young and he he came out and hit his peak of popularity. He was a little scary to people. (laughs) Yeah. Sweet Um, dreams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a remake, but yeah. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I hope, I mean, I hope it's genuine anyway. So he also apparently holds some type of certification from the church of Satan. Um, that's what I'm reading. And so I guess I just wanted to talk about that. Like, yeah. So what do you think about that? What do you think about? I mean, I hope it's genuine. I hope that like, I think it's a fascinating, uh, motley crew of people Mm -hmm. to have at your service matt is over here looking around (laughs) what are you thinking matt (laughs) yeah i the the church of satan thing is interesting i mean i don't know i mean i i also think like that you can't just say that like because he's sort of in like the 
why, why would you even call it like horror rock genre or something like got like gothic or what is what's his deal it was alternative <laughs> i mean back yeah. in the, at the time and probably the mid to late 90s he i mean it was alternative rock mm-hmm. and looking back on it, it it's really not like as heavy as i maybe thought at okay. the time but Alice Cooper has the same has the same deal. Mm-hmm. Alice Cooper like a born again Christian, mm-hmm. but like his whole you know he had like people getting like sawed up in like blood baths on stage and all of this. And I don't know. I guess that's an interesting topic. I mean, is that is that anti Christian? Does that fall under like Christian liberty? Is that just like Oh, it's our artistic expression to like chop people up on stage. That didn't happen. I mean, like, not no, not really symbolically. Right. I remember hearing Alice Cooper say, "This is all the show, but the, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just doing this for the crowd, and, mm-hmm. and I'm giving them a good show. But this is who I really am." And so, a performance. What I think is interesting is that I mean, I think about yeah, Rev Beebs and uh, the Rev Beebs, the Rev. <laughs> you know, what was it? Is it four or five years ago when he really kind of tanked? where he went on his binge and he was driving 90 miles an hour and put himself in danger. And, you know, other celebrities were like reaching out to him, like you are on the road to dying. And then all of a sudden he, he started uh, really connecting with that pastor in New York, who is no longer a pastor and kind of had this again, rediscovery of Christianity and, and same kind of thing with Kane West. And, and I don't know where Marilyn Manson is, but it's interesting to me that, that people have had, some pretty shady paths are finding something desirable in Christianity and they're okay with whatever it does to their reputation because at the same time, there's so many maybe even Christian celebrities that are kind of walking away and publicly on their Instagram account saying why they think Christianity is a problem. So what is it about Christianity that's drawing some of these, these people that they're willing to have a worship service? I mean, I've watched some of of the thing like performances that Beavs have put on for, for worship, and it's it's fascinating to see that he's okay saying these things openly about Jesus is his is everything. It's his answer, and he doesn't see that as a contradiction from you know some of the other things that he's said and uh, and and done. So I don't know what do you guys think. Why why is this why is Christianity drawing them? What is it about Christianity that they would even be willing to? to participate in this. Like Marilyn Manson, that just seems like the last person that you would think would be in a worship service. So, Well, he's kind of come under fire lately for some abuse allegations. Um, And, you know, obviously there's kind of the repentance, forgiveness piece Mm -hmm. of Christianity that might be appealing, particularly to him. Not that he shouldn't be held accountable for anything he might have done. Don't know Mm -hmm. that, know, know that it's a fact or anything, but, um, so I think there, you know, the Christianity that that I think that we know, you know, forgiveness, love, acceptance is lost on a lot of people and they view Christianity as, you know, more exclusive and, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe the 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 uh, ideal ideology of some some groups that they don't agree with or, you know, so. Yeah. But I think the appeal is is the maybe forgiveness and the and the love and the acceptance. Whatever it is, I mean, whenever you've sent me the things that's on uh, Bieber's uh, Instagram, I mean, that's Christianity. I could I could preach on that, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so 
I think people who've hit rock bottom are the only ones who actually kind of get it. And I don't know, when you look at the Gospels, you look at the, the, the scriptures, uh, these are the kind of people that Jesus was hanging out with. Mm-hmm. So he was known as hanging out with the prostitutes, the tax collectors, those who had really screwed up their life. Um, because those who didn't screw up their life so supposedly think they had it together, but they're just hiding it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a matter of if you're hiding it or you're open about it. And there's nothing that Biebs could hide anymore. I mean, everything he had done was kind of out there. And so where else are you going to go? I think there's no other place you're going to get that kind of acceptance and forgiveness except Christianity. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Um, I just had this thought, which is, uh, I think it's interesting that when you look at like pastors or famous, these famous preachers out there who start churches and they, they rise to fame, mm-hmm. I think they're more prone to succumb to things like pride. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that you have someone who's already a rock star who actually has to somewhat humiliate themselves to get mm-hmm. to the same place. Mm-hmm. And and they they come across as that much more genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though even though you know uh, they're they're still kind of technically engaging in the same level of hypocrisy, it's just going the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, because if you're a if you're a pastor and you know some of these people that lead these big churches and then. Later, they're found to have these big scandals, or, or maybe they even leave the faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's somewhat hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you are a secular pop star and you live that lifestyle and you kind of treat everyone around you like garbage, mm-hmm. um, and now you now you come to faith, I mean, do people believe you? You know, because you're kind of hypocritical. You're, you're hypocritical in that way. Yeah. You know. Well, I guess that would be interesting to see what the people around him are experiencing, right? For, yeah. for any of these guys like Kane West or Marilyn Manson, like if they, all right, so Marilyn Manson, when you get accused of 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 domestic abuse, usually, I mean, it, it just the the false accusations are so rare, uh, just statistically. So l- let's say for the sake of where you did that, right? I'd be interested to see like, is there really a change? Is this, is, is how is he treating the people around him? Um, is he owning up to what he did? Is he accepting the consequences? And, and I think that's a real measure. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said, uh, you'll be able to tell people by their fruit. Mm-hmm. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, anyone can sing about Jesus or preach about Jesus or talk about Jesus, but the people close to you can tell if this is for real or not. So that would be interesting to, to know. Well, I mean, they are broadcasting so much of life, especially uh, yeah, yay, yay, especially yay, yay. And, Kanye, and, yay. and okay, there you go, that makes sense, and uh, and the beeps. So, how much of that is curated? How much of that is airbrushed? How much of it is actually what they believe and think? You know, but that's interesting because why, you know, why would you, at that point, why would you be disingenuous? You know, right? So. Here's a question. Has this helped their career or hurt their career? Are they making more money now being being openly Christian or are they making less money? Well, that's just it. So with Kanye, with Ye, um, you know, there is definitely some profitability in the services that he's been holding. He's mm-hmm. been he's been charging a, a fee to stream these things. I guess there's been some high end merchandise being sold at these mm-hmm. these things. So. 
you know, for him. And I think that's why people are maybe questioning his motives too. like there, there is profitability there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Ye has been controversial over the last few years, um, with political leaning and some of the things he's comments he's made about slavery and things like that. So, I mean, I don't know. I, it's hard, you know, you don't want to judge and you don't want to assume anything, mm -hmm. but you know, I hope it's genuine. Yeah. And I don't know when you brought this up, I thought, Wherever Marilyn Manson is at, you know, could it be that the Biebs and Kanye are trying to say, hey, come on over here and try this out? You know, are they using this as a mission field? You know, I, I just I wonder about that. I, I remember hearing uh, Michael Phelps years ago when he went through his uh, he kind of bottomed out and uh, got caught drunk driving, uh, you know, just totally got kind of drugs, alcohol. And and was just kind of hitting the rock bottom. And he went to a, a, a re rehabilitation center, and it was um, I can't think of it, the the linebacker from the Baltimore Ravens uh, that actually gave him the purpose driven life and talked about Christianity, and that was his only hope to come back. And then he came back in the Olympics and won a bunch of more medals. So I I wonder how much of this, like I wonder how much. Biebs is looking at this as it's my mission field, you know. I, I I hit rock bottom. I'm forgiven. I'm going to use this, and and I'm going to show that you can be a Christian and a celebrity. And I know all these other celebrities who need the same message, because man, the, the the divorce rate and the suicide rate among celebrities that get to that top and they don't know what life is all about, you know. I just I wonder if that's a mission field. So I'd that's like good. to think it's genuine. Genuine. Yeah, and for people, also you know, another lesson out of that is for people who have maybe hit rock bottom, doesn't really matter how far you've gone you know if Marilyn Manson has all these allegations against him maybe they're true maybe he's feeling some type of way about it and and looking for something some comfort or some you know uh, acceptance somewhere so yeah I think that's another thing another takeaway point is no matter how far you've gone mm -hmm. you know you can be restored and there's so little that in the culture right mm -hmm. I mean where else are you going to hear that 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 you can be restored that you can be forgiven uh I think we are in in our secular culture, we are in a, a more judgmental culture than we've ever had, like a high ethical culture yeah. where if you if you screwed up once, something you said on Twitter 10 years ago, you are forever, there's no redeeming it. Mm -hmm. There's no way to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And man, that's so crushing. But the message of Christ is that all of us have screwed up. And if anyone uh, was anyone was under the microscope, we'd all have things we're embarrassed about. Right. So. And I think one more point to add to that too, like it's not that people shouldn't be held accountable for, right. mm -hmm. you know, for things because there are consequences in life. Right. And like, you you know, being forgiven in Jesus is not a license to just go act however you want. Exactly. But, but that there ultimately is forgiveness, but it just doesn't, and you should be held accountable legally if you're right. doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Are you going to say something? I, I was I was going to make a similar point to Pastor Ben about putting things on the internet, but I mean I think that'd be really hard if if at one point in your life you were putting out any form of content that you thought was actually harmful to people, mm -hmm. and you can't really get rid of that anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people are forever going to view you as some kind of hypocrite or something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. So, what what I think is really important is. A sign of repentance is that you will accept the consequences. Mm -hmm. A sign that you actually believe the gospel mm -hmm. is saying, all right, well, whatever this does to my reputation, I'm not going to hide it anymore. Uh, if I have to go to jail, if I have to do this, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, 
the problem is we never let up on the consequences, you know, that let's find appropriate consequences. Let's find ways that, you know, people have to make amends Mm -hmm. and people are willing to do that. But um, I think without that ability to accept the person and forgive them in Jesus, man, there's just no hope anymore. And what's fascinating about the Bible is the three most prolific writers in the scriptures had one thing in common. Moses, David, and Paul were all murderers. And, and Paul said, you know, uh, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, so that in me, the worst of sinners, God would show his unlimited patience for those who would believe in him. And so God is a God that's about forgiveness. And yet, yeah, there's consequences in David's life. He screwed up his whole kingdom. His whole family was torn apart. Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land, and there was all different reasons for that. And uh, and he had to go into seclusion after he after his murder. And then, you know, Paul was plagued with guilt for for his whole life so there's consequences but there's forgiveness and i'm just glad that something whatever yeah we we started asking was this genuine or not i don't know if it really matters in 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 the sense of the message of the gospel is getting out i hope it is and you know none of us are completely always genuine either right Mm -hmm. so that's really good. I don't know anything else on that topic not for me and i will i'll skip my my next topic for another time so okay Here's one that I was thinking about. Um, so I'm kind of, all right, I'll just come out and say it. I was the fat kid, right? That's what I was. So I'm into health. Like I really, I don't want to go back there. So I'm, I'm always looking at new ways to look at health and fitness and things like that. And so I got this thing called the whoop strap. What is that? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. And I'll, I'll do you quick Uh-oh. here. Uh, here it goes. So anyways, it kind of, it's like any other kind of, uh, you know, Fitbit or whatever, uh, regulates heart rate and, and, and kind of looks at your, um, your activity level. But one thing it does is your heart rate variability. And without getting into the science, basically what that means is how much your fight or flight system is being engaged. So mm. like it, it measures, um, if you're kind of, it's called the parasympathetic or the sympathetic system, like are you fighting something? Are you fighting a cold? Are you fighting, um, you know, getting over it, drinking too much? Are you fighting uh, stress? Are you, you have too hard of a workout and are you not sleeping, not hydrated, whatever it is. So it, it records that, which is fascinating. Well, I was trying to get better at this number. I was trying to get a higher recovery number and nothing was working. I was sleeping enough. I was eating enough. I was doing all the things. And there's one thing everyone kept on saying, try meditating. And I'm like, this is, I'm not drinking this Kool-Aid. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> Uh, I am a Christian, you know, Buddhist meditator. People do yoga meditate. But I was like, all right. Reluctantly, I tried it. And all of a sudden, all my numbers started going up. I'm, I'm, I, I have, you know, my fight or flight system is down. I'm sleeping better. All the other numbers went away. And that got me thinking, like, is meditation just for Buddhists? And can Christians meditate? And what are the dangers? And so it was kind of crazy because I didn't believe it until I saw the numbers. Like I was doing it reluctantly and I've been, I've been testing this for a long time and that's the only thing I've changed. And, and like my numbers are dramatically different. You should see if uh, it's a yoga instructor who's selling these whoop straps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's just a, but I felt better too. Like, I feel like I'm less on edge. I feel like I I'm, I'm more engaged with my family. I felt like it's been, what all these gurus are talking about that I thought was nuts. And it's been va- validated by your whoop strap. That's right. Whoop. That's there, fun to there say. There it is. Whoop. <laughs> whoop. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So 
you know, I've heard, I've read articles that, you know, Christians shouldn't do yoga and, you know, be careful with all this Buddhist new agey stuff going on in our culture. So do you guys see any danger in that or do you find it? What do you think about it? How could Christians meditate? How do, how do you look at it? Or maybe this isn't something that, that you struggle with. What is, I think, what is uh, meditate? That, that was my question. Okay. Too, yeah. So basically, I mean, meditation is trying to live in the present moment. So our thoughts when you kind of just sit, we'll probably ruminate on the past and you'll think, oh man, that thing I said yesterday or, or whatever. And that actually invokes your, your kind of fight or flight. Like I screwed that up or I, I messed up that conversation. You kind of ruminate on that or you're worried about the future. So it's, it's, it's living in the past or living in the future. And so different practices of concentrating on your breath for five minutes, 10 minutes, um, it makes you like really just get super high focused on this moment right now. And it stops you from going, engaging those two extremes. And then, um, and the other way to do it is kind of, so there's transcendental med- meditation or there's, I forget the name of it, like, oh, mantra m- meditation where you're saying something over. So I'm thinking as a Christian, this is what I've done is, yeah, I did the concentrate on the breath, but lately I've had kind of this mantra of Lord Jesus Christ as I breathe in have mercy on me as I breathe out. And I've been doing that for, I don't know, seven, 10 minutes, uh, especially when I can't sleep at night. I've been doing that. And I've thought about it from a Christian perspective. You know, Paul says that murder we were talking about, he says, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and looking to what, what's ahead, I press on toward the goal which God has called me, having word in Christ. He says, the one thing I do is forgetting what's behind. And then Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about self. So it seems like a very Christian idea to live in the present moment. It's just, I don't hear many Christians talking about it. I see the meditation magazines everywhere, and it all seems to be coming from Eastern religions. Uh, but is this something that Christians can say, hey, no, this is actually part of Christianity without getting caught up in Buddhist philosophy, which is, Rid yourself of any kind of suffering, uh, kind of empty yourself of, of your identity and kind of reach a state of nirvana on your own. And I think that could maybe be dangerous. Well, don't you think so? Here, uh, staff at Victory, we read the book Winning the War in Your, mi- in your Mind. Yep. yep. And, and who, Craig? Craig Rochelle. Yeah. Rochelle, yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that has meditative principles mm-hmm. in it, like kind of taking your thoughts and kind of reprogramming them and yeah. kind of the mantra of mm-hmm. say, you know, saying certain things to kind of re rewire your, your brain and your mm-hmm. thought pattern. And so I, I think, you know, that book to me is a lot of, you know, in essence manifestation kind of like, yeah. which is a new agey thing, but um, I think there's something to it. And I think there's not, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a moment to live in the moment. I, I love the practice of yoga physically. Yeah. Um, there's a mind body connectedness and you do, you have to think in the moment about like your, your positioning and um, you know, weight distribution, all that stuff. So I I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, I was blown away, but it actually works. Like it actually has physiological changes. Mm -hmm. Now, again, that whole thing with yoga, like, all right. So as a Christian, a lot of those poses are prayer poses, right? To Hindu gods, but they're also really good stretches. So how can I, as a Christian, maybe do this pr- pose that I don't realize I'm doing a Hindu prayer pose, and yet... I just uh, do the pose. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm like, I don't know. Okay, yeah. What do you think, Matt? Do a lot of yoga prayer poses? Not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think there's a problem with it. I think usually when people say meditate on the word of God, they yeah. just mean to, to read and pray, probably. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, as long I don't, you know, I don't think you have to make it about like channeling whatever spirit might be in you and aligning your energies and all of this and trying to ascend to a higher plane of existence on your own authority. I, yeah. you know, I can't help you with that one, but I, I guess the other thing that I think, I mean, as a pastor that I want to share with people is like, I think when we say meditate on the word, a lot of times it just means study it or read it. Yeah. Yeah. And just keeping it in your head and kind of having that separation from your body and your mind. And I think a lot of times people don't let those truths actually drop down into their heart and let it, because we have like physiological responses to guilt or shame or ruminating on the past or worry about the future. And so how do you actually practice forgiveness to yourself? How do you actually practice peace and not worry about the future? And I feel like this simple practice of meditation, it seems so simple, is actually a way of practicing something that Jesus told us to do. So, all it's right. good. I don't know. I like it. I appreciate you guys. Let me uh, figure that out, and I think I'm going to keep trying to see if it works. I just, I'm, oh man, I just, it's nice to have some actual metrics to see, like this is not just a hoax, because there's a lot of hoax out there. So, your topic, Matt. Now, Matt is such a deep thinker, and he's always has questions, and he always challenges me, always challenges us. So, I'm excited to hear. Do you want to go chips first or uh, or Egypt first? Well, we can save the conversation about chips, but I am ready to argue that. I hope you know. Um, well, uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll give you some background. This is about the book of Exodus. Um, a while ago, like uh, a couple of weeks ago, I watched a video on YouTube that was um, this guy. He took a trip to the Holy Land and... Egypt, something like that, mm -hmm. and he studied there, and he was looking at the archaeological evidence and such and such and such, and I didn't realize this, but the pre the prevailing school of thought right now is that the Exodus really couldn't have happened the way the Bible describes it, um, and they they date they date the Exodus to somewhere between like thirteen and 1500 BC or something like that but the problem with that is that if the Israelites had left Egypt at that time and entered Canaan mm -hmm. they would have found Egyptian occupied Canaan mm. which was which was actually pretty strong at the time mm -hmm. so um, the fact that the Exodus doesn't show up in any Egyptian records is also a little strange. Mm -hmm. And then the, the maybe like the earliest records were like seven or 800 BC. Mm -hmm. And so basically the, the, the prevailing theory right now is that it's a, it's like a collection of stories. Mm -hmm. It's a collection of stories that's been like pieced together in Jewish tradition. And it's, it's, I mean, that's pretty much the, that's pretty much the basis for the Jewish faith today. Mm -hmm. It's the story of the Exodus and the Passover and, and that sort of thing. So the article I read was from Tel Aviv University. And, yeah. and they're obviously very gracious, mm -hmm. you know, with uh, the significance of the story. And, and even if it's not necessarily true, well, it's been providing inspiration and hope to this religion, right? Because mm -hmm. they're obviously Israeli even if they're not practicing Orthodox Jews. Mm -hmm. 
But to me, it begs the question, what do you do if something that you believe happened mm-hmm. seems increasingly unlikely? Yeah, that's a really good question. Can I give a shot at it? Yeah. All right. So I think, first of all, it's not the first time that history is bet against the Bible. That's happened mm-hmm. quite a bit. You know, for a few hundred years, uh, people said, how do we know what Jesus, kind of Bible Jesus was reading? How do we know this wasn't just a collection of stories? Uh, how do we know that the Old Testament actually would have been the same thing that that we have today? And so, and it came out of like Darwinian evolution applied to scriptural interpretation. Like, oh, these books just kind of evolved over time. They started as little campfire stories and they kind of moved into you know, kind of what you were just saying about about mm-hmm. collections of stories that kind of were embellished over the years. And then in 1949, a Bedouin shepherd was walking through the desert and he hit, uh, he threw a rock at his sheep and it turned out to be the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they said, oh, right, we'll finally have some more ancient texts and we'll finally find out what this was originally on. And the oldest Hebrew manuscript we had was 1000 AD before that. And they scoured through the evidence and scoured through, they had a full script or full manuscript of Isaiah scroll. And they found out, you know what? The Bible hadn't changed. And all this kind of hypothetical ideas of what really happened because they didn't have the the evidence actually went away in one day. And so I wonder if there could be a lot of different reasons for explanation as to, as, as to why that is. But I, I, Every time we bet against the Bible, something comes up historically that kind of proves the Bible again. Um, and so I think with the Exodus, one way that I would look at that is like the heroes or the losers never write the histories. And, and you know, we have kind of this objective view of history and we like, we like to tell people, um, you know, we lost that battle, we won that battle, and it's pretty objective, at least we think maybe. Uh, ancient history, ancient civilizations didn't write about the battles they lost. And that would have been pretty embarrassing for the Jews to, uh, to win this kind of battle over, over their slave owners. Um, so that's one idea that I have, you know, and, and we've seen that with Hezekiah, the story of Hezekiah. He was, uh, he lost the battle to the Jews uh, in and he didn't write about it, but he wrote about all the other battles he won that were surround that we do have records in the scriptures for. You, so you mean you mean the the not Hezekiah, you mean the king? I'm sorry, Assyrian, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the Tiglath Pileser and Sennacherib and those those Assyrian yeah. kings. So we instead of getting in the woods, I mean, maybe just to your question, what do you think? How do you do? You still believe the Bible if it seems like things that you used to really believe are not historically or scientifically true. Let's make it less deep. Let's right <laughs> into history. What what do you what do you For think? Us dullards no, in the crowd here. No. I'm talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think, Annie? Like, have you ever had a real challenge in your faith where you're like, oh man, I look at that and that doesn't m- match up? And how do you work through that? I haven't. Okay. <laughs> you just take it. You just take it and say, this is it. I kind of do, and and I know that's probably foolish, and no, people good. Will, well, you know. It's fine. Well, but here's the thing is you you have to accept the possibility that you're wrong. Right? Because it, I mean in th- in theory what's right right it's it's plausible that you're wrong. Sure, it's plausible. I guess the 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 thing 
the thing is you do have to, at the end of the day, trust in something. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't live in this. Sure. You could be wrong, but man, every time I step down, uh, on Christianity, there's ground underneath me. So it, it over and over again. Yeah. There's been some challenges and everything, but I think faith is not this blind grasp in the dark. I love what C.S. Lewis says, like faith is trusting in things that you knew were right yesterday, but today you went through something hard. Like, so you, you read this article about, you know, something that some archeology, span you know, archeologists have found and faith is saying, yeah, but I have so much of this experience of Jesus being faithful to me and I, and so many other things that match up. Am I going to let one article or one derail everything else I believe? Um, am I open to it? I can look into it. Sure. But, um, but I think faith, like I, he uses illustration, like I have faith that the anesthesiologist can really put me to sleep and, and he's not going to, and I'm not going to wake up in the middle of surgery and my guts are all over the table and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And faith is actually l- putting that to action. Like letting myself be under anesthesiology, let, let, let all or uh, anesthesia, let me putting my action where my faith is that, that I know this is true. So I'm just going to walk into it. And so I think, yeah, there's possibility, but at the end of the day, you have to give in to something. So, okay. Well, what about this? What about someone who doesn't have faith already? Okay. How are you? How are you supposed to respond to them when you start saying what you believe and that it's based on the Bible, and then they tell you, "Okay, well, the Bible doesn't really stand up to history. Why do you believe that book?" Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, and you, and, uh, you know, I can do you one better because, um, we talk about like the age of the earth and mm-hmm. evolution and the creation of all things. I mean, nobody, nobody who's considered real smart these days with, you know, expert mm-hmm. expertise in those areas believes what scripture has to say about it. Well, I think there's a lot of ways to understand, first of all, what scripture has to say about it, right? Uh, what is, uh, I think that's the, the challenge is that when you take a, there was a time where we looked at, you know, 500 years ago, they looked at some poetic parts of scripture that, that said, oh, the sun, like God's grace in the morning, the sun rises, right? And so they said, see, the Bible says the sun rises, so the earth must be at the center of the universe. And that was a misunderstanding of scripture. It was a poetic understanding. Mm-hmm. And so when Copernicus and, said, no, I think the sun is actually at the center of our, of our universe. And they said, no, that's biblically inaccurate. You're not lining up with the Bible. So in that case, it wasn't a misunder... It wasn't that the Bible was wrong. It was how we understood the Bible was wrong. That was that was a poetic way of talking. Like we do. We said the sun came up, the sun rose. We, we're not saying that... We're not making a, 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 a statement about science or where the sun is located and where we're located. It's just a way to talk about it. And so I think sometimes what we have to do first is ask the question, are we understand the Bible accurately? Mm-hmm. That's the first question, not I already understand everything in the Bible and I'm not even going to listen to that because, all right, well, this is what the science says. And, and first of all, you know, you know, when it comes to, yeah, age of the earth is something I think that I'm challenged by. Um, 
Darwinian evolution in the sense of like macro evolution. I mean, things mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. like, but that 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 everything has come from a single cell and evolved into something more complex. Like, I don't, I don't think the science is all that clear on that. I don't think anyone who's smart is absolutely believing everything about Darwinian evolution, as if that's the last say on on that. So, when I'm when I'm challenged. So I'm speaking to somebody uh, who's a, not a Christian but is interested in learning. They, they saw Rev Beeves, and they're like, all right, let me, let me see if this is real. But then I read something, then my science teacher or archaeology or something says, but, the, but this disproves the Bible. I would say, well, is that really what the Bible says, first of all? Does the, uh, is, that an, is that an accurate understanding of what mm-hmm. the Bible actually is trying to teach? Because the Bible is actually trying to teach a message about, yes, that we were created— that God did choose the Jews to to bring a savior into the world, and that's the main message, and it's about Jesus. That's the story it's telling, and I think sometimes we try to 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 think we understand everything the Bible has always said. So first, check your understanding of the Bible. What do you think? Well, I think that's good, but you know, eventually you you kind of have to make a decision, right? Is is you have to pick what you're going to believe. Right. And one of them might seem incredibly unlikely. And especially if you don't have faith, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're saying that that faith is alive um, and that I can see the effects of it every day mm-hmm. and that I trust in it. And, you know, you try to explain that to someone who doesn't have it. Yeah. They're like, you know, well, that's yeah. really special for you. Right. Right. I think faith comes alive when you're in the Biebs situation, you know, I'm serious. Like it, it, it makes a lot more sense when you've hit rock bottom and there's no other answers, but Jesus and his forgiveness acceptance. Cause where else am I going to find identity? But then you, yeah, then you have to answer some archeological questions and some scientific questions, but the Bible is not at, at, at its bare bones, a science textbook or an archeology span textbook. Now it does match up with archeology span way better than other faiths or religions, it, it, it does make a challenge because it is a historical faith, but I, I would stick with what do you do about your guilt? What do you do about your identity? What do you do about your, the, the, uh, the plan for your life? Stay there. And then, yeah, figuring, because science and archaeology change all the time. I mean, not to get into this quagmire, but what were we told a few months ago about the coronavirus, right? And that science, as we've learned more about it, has changed over and over and over again. So you really want to put your faith in an interpretation and a snapshot of what we understand about science or history or whatever, where this book has stood the test of time and has been the most highly scrutinized book in history, and yet it still stands. So I guess that's the thing is like, is science really a more accurate thing to step on because it's always changing as we get new understanding. And, um, and, and I think some people are so dogmatic, like, Oh, this is, this makes my life a lot easier. And finally, science and archeology span is an is question. I love science. It, it, it tells us what things are, but they don't tell us what we ought to be, who we should be. They don't, doesn't answer the moral questions and the psychological questions and the and the purpose questions. It just tells us that, like, hey, this is a table, and these are the molecules that make up this table. And so it's not going to give you a way to really have ground in your life. So that's what I'd say. It's a long answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, 
I, I would uh I, I would push you on two things. Push um, me. I think that it would be really easy for someone who was not Christian to look at at something like Justin Bieber's situation and mm-hmm. say it's uh you know, it's almost like Christ- Christians are vultures in a little hmm. bit, like they're sort of they're sort of going after people who are weak, the sure. people who have nothing to lose or have nothing left. Sure. And so, yeah, of course you find comfort when someone says, well, if you die, you can go to heaven this way, mm-hmm. right? Because your life here is really rotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they would also say that morality is sort of ever shifting. Mm-hmm. And even Christians think that, you know, you don't necessarily always feel guilty about things you should feel guilty about. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know a, a sin's a sin or you don't think it's a sin. And then you look at scripture and okay, it is. Mm-hmm. But I think there would be a, I think there would be a pretty strong case for someone who's not Christian to say that Christians are out there sort of trying to make people feel guilty. Sure. And then once they have them yeah. where they want them, yeah. To sort of to sort of impose this belief on them, you know. Historically, that hasn't been the. I mean, there's there's some if you're trying to make some money off something. I think Christianity is best when it's under, like the first three centuries of Christianity was pretty remarkable because they had nothing to gain. There was no there was no advantage, and so I think when 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 maybe Christian culture in the United States is trying to become powerful or politically powerful or, or whatever, or, 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 or financially powerful, like we undermine the, the thing we actually have to give that, that, you know, it looks like we're, tr- we're, we're doing this to get something out of somebody. But the first three centuries, that's where orphanages started because, uh, when people didn't want their children and throw them in the river, the Christians were the ones who said, no, that's a child of God made by God. I'm going to, their faith moved them uh, to pick these children up out of, out of, uh, out of the river and make them their own and start orphanages. When, when the government said, uh, you are, you know, we're going to chop your head off. We're going to light you on, make you a living torch uh, in the, in the first three centuries. Um, they said, "No, I'd rather stay to Jesus and be lit like a torch, uh, than, um, than not." And so I think the, the reality that all the disciples actually died for their faith, uh, I think, is, is a pretty powerful witness that yeah, Christians need um, to be the kind of people that can lose it all and still believe this is still true, and that's a powerful witness. At the end of the day, you're not going to convince everybody. At the end of the day, you can poke holes at everything. I can poke holes at atheism and you can poke holes at Christianity. And that's, I think, where as a Christian, I, I really appreciate what Jesus said about uh, about the word. He says, like scattering seed, you scatter it. Some people are not going to get it. Some people are going to get it for a while and get choked up by the world. Some people are, are going to get it for a while, but then, you know, it, they kind of wear off because they have no root. And then some people, they actually believe it and it changes their life and they make great sacrifices. They, they adopt children. They, they take care of people. They, they, they feed the poor and they, they put it into action, and, and by the fruit, you'll know if they actually believe this. So I guess that, that that's what I have mm-hmm. to say. We have to probably kind of close our down. You have any other thoughts on, I don't know, what do you th- want, maybe one more right. thought on that? or Okay. No. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I, I would, 
thinking about two things. Um, one is hold on. And we just found out that Matt's strengths are all in thinking. So every sentence, be- every sentence begins. I was thinking. It's true. <laughs> all right. So true. You're, you're not only thinking about two, but right in this moment, you're only thinking about two things. I consciously try to come up with new ones. Like I had this thought the other day or something occurred to me. Yeah. So that you don't catch on as quickly. <laughs> but it's true. It's always thinking. That's mm-hmm. why. Yeah, I like it. Go on. One is about like the, the Exodus or the Genesis business. Uh-huh. Um, is it possible that I am interpreting something in the Bible too literally? Okay. And that's kind of a rhetorical question, I guess, because I think that, yes, of course it's possible. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it really matters. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... I think you could get into a lot of trouble if you start interpreting things too figuratively or too symbolically. Um, But if I get to heaven and and God is like, I wasn't serious, you know that, right? You know, Mm -hmm. we'll have a good laugh over it and that'll be that. Mm -hmm. Um, My other thought was um, redefining faith a little bit because I think that it's really easy to say that faith is just belief in something. Yeah. And okay, well, what is that? Does that mean you th- you think something? You know, is that what faith is? Like, oh, I th- I think that what the Bible says is true. I think that Jesus Christ came to save mm-hmm. sinners. Is that what faith is? So it's it's I think something. I can't prove it, but right, boom, there's faith. Yeah. Or Right, and but they also say, you know, they'll, you, um, Jesus says that you'll know people by their fruit. Right. So, but you're not saved by actions, you know. So it's just, um, I think people have to be careful what what they say when they mean, yeah, that you have faith because it would be really easy to look at a lot of people who say that and say, well, it doesn't really seem like they do, you know. I think that that first point of figurative versus literal, like I've been challenged by that more, like just reading the Bible accurately. Like, all right, the book of Job, first three, first chapter two is very narrative. And then there's like 50 pages, depending on what your print size of poetry. And it's played out like a play. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Where like Job's on the stage and he's mourning. and, And then one guy comes out after another and had these like, poetic diatribes where they're just kind of railing on him and, and trying to figure out why he screwed this up, but it's all in poetry. Like it's reads more like Shakespeare than literal yeah. history. So same thing with Jonah, like Jesus says Jonah was a real person, but the way the story is told is so funny. It's like a comic book. It's like, Jonah, you go to the worst people in the whole wide world, the Assyrians. And he says, no, I'm going to go to the farthest place away from them. So it's like all these extreme. And now, uh, you know, now we're going to get the largest fish to swallow you up. And it's, it's, it's almost comical when you read it. And I think there's some intentionality out of it. Like the, the writers were writing in a way to kind of talk in an absurd, absurd way about some of these things to make a point. And so, sometimes when we're so focused on is this literal or is this not, uh, we miss kind of the beauty of the writing. Um, 
but I think when it comes to the Exodus, I mean, the fact that the God's people, the, the, the Jewish nation, have celebrated the Passover, like what else would have started them on this yearly practice that has stood the test of time? And then Jesus pointed to that as the thing that he was doing, a new kind of Exodus. Um, so I think that is literal. Um, and I just feel like, man, we go and look at Mayan ruins and we don't know how they got there or how they left. And and you could come up with 50 different stories as to what you think happened to those Mayans and how that happened. Just because there's absence of information doesn't mean it didn't happen. So that would be my thing on that. And then, oh, were you about to say something? Well, I was just going to say, like, from my own perspective, that's how I feel. Like, I am okay with not knowing. And I guess you could make the argument, like, well, if this, you know, part of the Bible isn't true, there's no evidence to support this, then is the Jesus thing true? Like, is, you know, so like you could ask that question and you're just consistently, you know, but I, I'm okay with like not knowing all the history and, and not, and being okay with, you know, not knowing everything. And I think sometimes people try to, I don't know, I don't know if they're trying to find their identity and knowing everything and being extra smart and, mm -hmm. um, you know, so <laughs> Ben just pointed at Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You Jeez. even sit in a smart way. You just look smart the way you sit. Distinguished you. gentleman. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> but yeah, again, my point is just I'm I'm all right with not knowing, and I'm okay with I'm okay with that. So, counterpoint. Oh boy. I'm I'm so I I've also had to make be okay with not knowing. You mm -hmm. know, like I just said, um, but that's a criticism of Christianity and religion in general is that it, it encourages ignorance. And, you know, from the time you're brought up, that your parents tell you, believe this. And, you know, I, I think, I think uh, faith is good, but I think a really, a really easy criticism could be that people are encouraged to not question their faith. Okay. And in some ways it's like that, that's a really weird topic. Because in, in some ways, I think you should always be questioning what you believe because there's a very good chance you're wrong about pretty much everything you believe at any given time, right? Um, and so, I, I mean, right, and, and I think that, like, Job and Jacob wrestling with God, these are good examples, right. you know, of people wrestling with what they believe. That's good. But at what point, you know, that's that's a tough thing to encourage people to do as a Christian is like, yeah, like pick this apart, you know, but we should. Right. But I, I guess so. But but I, I think what's what I would want to encourage is like. All right. If you want to be skeptical and, and, and ask the question about Christianity, also be skeptical about what we absolutely know is true scientifically. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what happens is we have really become the, we, we think because we, are you okay questioning some of the science, right? Or some of the, the archaeology? Because, man, it just is, what we thought 100 years ago, what we thought 50 years ago, we thought, we think now is stupid. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna, what we're thinking right now, we're going to, in 50 years from now, we're going to think is stupid about history, about archaeology, about science, about all those things. And so let's also be just as skeptical about some of these other authorities that we're putting ourselves under. And that's all I mean too. So yeah, I'm okay with challenging our faith. It's amazing to me that it continues to stand the test of time. 
in so many different ways. I mean, I just I, that Dead Sea Scroll things is one thing. I mean, there's there's so many other things I could I could go on and on about. And and I guess that's what I mean by faith. I, the way I would look at faith is entrusting my whole life to my Creator and Savior. And what he thinks of me, what he has for me, what he's done for me, who he is, and 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 being okay sometimes, yeah, when I don't have all the answers, kind of what you were saying, Annie, you know, I don't need to know all the answers right now, but entrusting myself to him and in my life and my record and my identity to him as my as the authority, not to anyone else or anything else. Um and then if there's a problem with, you know, a challenge to the scriptures, maybe I don't understand the scriptures good enough yet. If Maybe we don't understand the science good enough yet. Maybe we don't understand the archaeology good enough. Like, I'll be skeptical about all those things, but I, I guess faith is the, the one thing I'm not skeptical about is that there's a God, he loves me, he made me, and he's got good things in store for me in Jesus Christ. That Those things, I, I, I don't see anything that could change that. And that was that. That's what I'm entrusting myself to. And then all these other things, I'm willing to be wrong on and 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 change and and be challenged mm-hmm. on. But I feel like what happens right now is like people are so quick. They watch one YouTube video on maybe this article that from Tel Aviv. The accident happened. I'm throwing out my whole Bible. Like, just wait a second. Is there other explanations for that? Uh-huh. Um. Do, do we do we have to jump from one to the other? And I feel like there's just no foundation for most people right now that you say Christians need to question more. I think everybody's questioning way too quickly and jump. They, they don't have an identity. And so they're jumping from one thing to the other and without. And Jesus talked about that. You know, if you build your life on my words and my teaching, you're, it's going to be like building your house on a rock. And when the storms come and the when rains come, you're going to be able to stand. But if you build your house on every shifting idea, Man, you're just gonna be filled with, you know, hopelessness. I think. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's that's good. I mean, I agree with that. I think it's just tough if you say that your foundation is, um, let's just say that your foundation is your faith, and you have a lot of trust in that. But someone who doesn't have any, you know. But they, they don't, they, they just don't believe you, you know? Sure. And I'm okay with that. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of what allows me to be okay. You know, I trust Jesus so much that I don't need you to agree with me on it. You know, mm-hmm. I think what can happen is we, we, we put our faith in, in people's opinions so much that, that if anyone challenges us or doesn't like us because of what we believe, we're so quick to give up on Jesus to make, to be seen not as stupid or, but Paul said, you know, the, the cross is going to be foolishness. It's going to seem kind of foolish to some people, but to those who believe it's the, it's the power of God. And so I think there's a lot of people making, I mean, again, just to bring it back to Kanye and Biebs and Marilyn Manson or whatever, like, I think a lot of people are going to laugh at this, right? And the fact that they're okay with that, pretty powerful um that that you're okay being made fun of for this because you're like you know what i just believe it 
not against reason, not because I, I don't, I haven't thought it through. It's not because I have a blind faith. I'm not just jumping in the dark. It's that I'm okay if you don't agree with me and I still love you anyways. Yeah. One, one thing on that point, do you know, is it history, historiography, historiology? I'm going to look that up real quick. It's the, it's the history of history. Now you're really getting deep. The history of history? Okay. History. Historiography. Yeah, okay. Historiography. The study of how history's kind of developed. Yeah. And it's um I think it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. It's it's um basically you know, you look at different time periods and, and what was emphasized and, sure. and that sort of thing. And so you read old history books and they don't jive with new history mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And you say, well, so it wasn't true then, but we're right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> Probably not. Right. And I guess that's why. So what is your authority? Is it, is it your own feelings? Is your authority uh, science or archaeology or a history book or a New science professor? New facts come to light. What's that? New facts come to light. Yeah. They so always uh, will. I guess that's kind of what, what it is. I, I just know Jesus is good. He's true. I just... I don't know how else to say it. Um, I, I, yeah, I take, uh, I do a lot of archaeology. You know, I've studied a lot of this stuff. Um, but yeah, there's some things about this that we're all going to be wrong on, and people are going to laugh about in 50 years. I'm okay with that. And yeah, are these people just worried about looking stupid? These people that are questioning these things, and I mean, like really, like not, ha- you know, not having faith and really having having to question these things and know these answers like are they just fearful of looking dumb i don't think so well i mean think about this i mean if it were atheism versus christianity that's one thing Mm -hmm. but let's say that it's atheism versus christianity versus islam versus hinduism sure i mean uh this has been quoted by many people um that we're all atheistic about 99 plus percent of gods out there sure and some people just choose to be atheistic about one more yeah i mean that's that sounds really it's really catchy yeah but um it's true though too sure i mean i'm atheistic about or i i don't believe in lots of different the whole, ideas of yeah. gravity but there's one that i actually do believe in it, it, like there is one truth and and to so i think that's the reason those other gods haven't stood the test of time is not because there's no such thing as god is because they're all grasping for a god and there was actually one who showed up to show that this is what it actually looks like so there's ways that you can you can spin all this to make i think uh, uh, you you you're kind of mentioning some of these quotes from uh, the group called the new atheists like they've done such a good job of these pithy really sticky quotes right but i don't know if that's that true right that you know i don't believe a lot of different meats are you know edible but there's there's one that i do oh wait no i don't believe in any kind of meat i'm a vegan you know just like this idea that just because you don't believe in those other gods doesn't mean that that makes this one god stupid, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I mean, I, the thought is just like, 
over time we've abandoned those ones in the in the time the clock is sure. ticking for the the few that the re, the relatively few that remain right you know like sure the greeks have sort of no not there's not a lot of practicing greeks in the greek pantheon anymore sure and they've become a fun little piece of history and and right you know the the christians have a, there's a ton of christians what does that mean that means it'll take longer for it to die out yeah if that's the way you look at history um, or the way to look at history is there's always been one God and we have churned up lots of gods. Uh, we've made a lot of good things into gods and, and those things have proved to be empty. So there's been a lot of gods that, yeah, that have gone away throughout history, but Christianity still stands even through, 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 through all of this. And I guess that where it, again, makes sense or, or where it really, I think, helps somebody who's outside is like, what does it lead, what kind of acts does it lead to? What kind of a person do you become when you mm. completely live in this? Um, I, I don't think, it's hard to be a completely bought-in atheist and actually live that out um, or, or to say, all right, there is no God, there is no purpose, there is no reason. I'm actually going to live like that. Like, who actually can live that lifestyle that there is no purpose, there is no reason, uh, there is no hope, there is no anything, uh, we're all here random chance, but then all of a sudden you live like there is a purpose, you live like there is meaning, and you live like that we are going to live forever. Um, that's a different idea, but that's... Yeah, yeah. I just... Um surprise surprise i just had a thought oh that's good um <laughs> that i i maybe maybe what's really damaging is um people who right people who keep labeling themselves christian because sure. there's a ton of examples of christian abuse oh yeah and mm -hmm. so to your point about what kind of behavior does it produce well if if all people are let's say all, all people have a, a great propensity to do evil. Yeah. And now you have a group of people who are from the outside are very, they would just say you're very gullible. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then you put someone in charge of those people. You would say, well, any kind of religious faith is very damaging because it makes people incredibly vulnerable, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I just, I think it's important that, you really call out whether or not, you know, you, I think you have to call out the behavior. And yeah. so when, when people say, well, look at what Christians did, then you would say like, well, that's not what Christians, they, they were wrong. They were just and wrong. what's so fascinating about Jesus is the harshest words he ever spoke were against the so-called religious people, right? He was killed mm -hmm. by religious leaders. He was killed by religious people. So he didn't speak harshly against the prostitute. He called them to repentance and told them to change and, and gave them forgiveness. But when mm -hmm. he, like, the real, like, I'm going to turn over tables and you brood of vipers and, like, the, the, the harshest things he had to say were, were posers, right? And Jesus mm -hmm. said over and over again, you know, there's going to be people who claim to be Christians and say, Lord, 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 didn't we, you know, call out demons in your name and do all these great things? And he said, I'll never, I never knew you. So, yeah, there is, that is a big problem. But, I could also, you know, make give ten examples of 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 people who renounced Christianity and did horrible things, you know, Hitler and Stalin and all those those classic examples, yeah. right? So it's a human problem, 
not necessarily a religious problem of evil. Yeah. And I and I see what Jesus offers: forgiveness, honesty about who we really are, um, facing this this evil nature inside of us, asking for the work of the Holy Spirit, and always being honest about the battle going on inside of us is the best way to live. And if you actually do that, and Christianity again works best in the outside the show. I'm a little you know a little hesitant to even give so much emphasis to what what's happening you know with Biebs and. Kanye and Marilyn Manson, because that is in the show, mm-hmm. and it's so easily to get corrupted because there's a lot of money flying around. There is a lot of a success that could come out of it. Mm-hmm. Christianity works best when it's not successful. <laughs> it does, like when there's nothing to gain from it. Yeah, and I think, and I think when people make it use it as a tool for power. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. How many some people cults or things like this leaders take Christianity to gain a following for themselves, or or whatever to get power. Like that's Wolf, when. Cri- yeah. Christianity sucks. Yeah, I I've been thinking about it this way. Oh, that, interesting. <laughs> that you know, if ba- basically the heart of all sin is uh, the the will of humans um, in opposition to the will of God, and mm-hmm. I mean, essentially, pride is the you know of the seven deadly sins. Pride is really all all of them. Yeah, and so it. Um, I it th- this has challenged me a little bit because. When I when I read you know atheist literature, I always think like, okay, well, as a Christian, what is what is going to be my Trump argument? Yeah, you know, but I think that the the will of God is so seldom found next mm-hmm. to you know the pride of sinful humans, and that if if it's your if you're out there to try to do something great for your own sake, that it'll always it'll always blow up in your face. That's right. And God didn't give us a clear silver bullet argument. He gave us himself. He mm-hmm. gave us Jesus. He gave yeah. us a person. And so you're going to get made fun of. You're going to get ridiculed. But at the end of the day, what what do you want to build your life on? And how does that how does that interact with people? And I just I, I I'm thankful when I see it happen in hidden ways. And as a pastor, I do get to see it in hidden ways. Yeah. And and what we do on Sunday, the show or whatever, that can be. It, we have to be very careful about any time it's out in front because that's usually where yeah pride can come in the devil can come in self-promotion can come in um mm-hmm. the best is when we forget about ourselves we just use our gifts i love right. when you know andy how you use your gifts to serve how you use your gifts to serve the best is when we're just that's why i humility is not the way cecil said humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking about yourself less you're just doing the thing that you were supposed to created to do, and you're not even thinking about. It. You're just enjoying the moment. Back to the idea of living in the moment. That's the best way. But if you have an insecurity and you're using this moment to gain glory for yourself, and you're just enjoying the moment as worship, that's why Ecclesiastes is my favorite book in the Bible. Because mm-hmm. either you look at all of life as a gift, or you look at life as a tool to gain more stuff for yourself. And if you look at it as a gift, that takes away this whole selfishness, garbage stuff. Yeah. I feel like we should lighten up before the end. Can we please talk about the chip real quick? <laughs> I want to hear this, and then okay. we can close her down. What do you think? Um, yeah, so there's there's some things about the uh, about the snack world that make me upset from time to time. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> That's a big snacker. <laughs> big snacker. One of them is I was at the store the other day, and and there's there's so tortilla chips come in like 
three basic shapes. There's a few variations, but the one that I see all the time is these big triangles. Yeah. And they call them like restaurant style or something like that. (laughs) And I think that originally, like if you you bake a tortilla and it's sort of a circle and you cut it up into wedges, right? And you cook all the individual, it comes out to like triangle shape. The triangle shaped tortilla is tip chip is is the worst shape. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? It's it doesn't it's not good for dipping because either you're gonna dip you're gonna dip the end in and you're not mm. yeah, like you're gonna dip like the corner in, but then like the majority of it is not gonna go in there because right. that's the part you're holding. Right. You can't really dip the wide end, you know, because then you're just holding the one point. And, and it's going to break because it's too big anyways. It's not. It lacks structural integrity. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. And so, yeah. so then, and then you got to go eat it, right? And then you, you, eat, you eat the pointy part and the rest of it just crumbles right. in your hand. And why are we still selling these? <laughs> What's and your preferred? Do you have a preferred chip yes. shape? Yes. Is it the mustaches and then? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so the best one I've seen is like, the the miniature the mini circle ones, yep, <laughs> because because there you can eat them in one bite, so yes. the risk of breaking goes way down, and it, just the fact that it's round, it holds so much salsa or melted cheese, which is one of the best things we have on this planet, by the way. But you speak like in matter of fact, like right and wrong. I am right. <laughs> <laughs> this shouldn't surprise you. Personally, if. I didn't feel like garbage when it was all over. Mm-hmm. The Frito scoops for me are the oh, best. The jalapeno Don't. ones. Oh yeah, oh, those are so good. Do not even get me started. <laughs> wait, wait. Are you talking about Fritos or like the like the Tostitos, like the little like bowl looking ones? Oh, no. I don't like those. Those are a nightmare. <laughs> those I are got a scam. Beef with those. I got beef. Those, those. First of all, the fact that you're trying to construct a three dimensional chip on purpose. That thing is going to break, and it does. You get the bag; half of them are broken. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And it's first of all, it's like it's too much to eat in one bite. Like, mm-hmm. and you have to fill it with like, let's say, salsa. Yeah, that's too much. The ratio now from salsa to chip is way off. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mess. Do you I have beef with this. I have beef with those little bowls. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, they make me upset. I don't. There's like probably them. fewer of them in the package too, wouldn't you think? Maybe. Yeah, I mean they're taking up the like yeah more space. probably. So you're not even getting and, as and many. think about this is like when you're at if you're at like a tailgate or some kind of like Super Bowl party or whatever yeah. it is, um, you you probably have either you you might have like one of those little sectioned off styrofoam plates <laughs> and. And the chi- the chip is taking out an inordinate <laughs> amount of space on the plate. Yeah. You know, especially those big triangles. The triangle wow. is a very inefficient shape. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because because it's so it's so wide and you can't you can't effectively utilize the space around a triangle. Sure. It tessellates nicely. You know. You didn't answer my question about the Frito though. Frito scoop? Isn't that the perfect? What is oh wait, okay, I know I know what you're talking about. It's sort of like it it's sort of like a shell shape. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Um those are strong too. Like they're they're strong. nice and thick. Right. Yeah. yeah. Though those are those are good. I so I'm not a huge fan of Fritos, personally, but I I, I would say that for what they're trying to accomplish, that is that is a good chip. <laughs> what do you dip Fritos in? Do you do you, those you know, also, they're like so strong? I, well, like I think salty. like a really hearty cheese. Chili or a chili. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 
So now we're talking, you know, you get like the really good oily Tostito cheese stuff, like a nacho cheese, then you're, that's what you're going to want. That is so salty. (laughs) (laughs) That made my mouth dry out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we had a, this is really great today. I really appreciate the conversation. I don't know if there's anything you guys want to say in a sign off here. I don't have anything to say. I enjoyed listening to you guys. I was still here. I was eating my popcorn, watching the show, listening to the show. It was good. It was good. Yeah, no, I'm, I think I'm good. Yeah, I appreciate what you guys bring to the table, and we'll sign off until next time. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.